Welcome to Slow Stories. I'm Rachel Schwartzman, the founder of Connected Editorial and the host and creator of this podcast. For those of you just joining in, Slow Stories is a series that deep dives into the rising slow content movement. In each of these episodes, I interview brand builders, entrepreneurs, and creative professionals who share what slow content means in the context of what they're building and why slowing down and creating thoughtful stories is more important than ever. Before we get into the main interview, we're opening up the episode with a contribution from creative director John McLaughlin, who shares a compelling story about workplace culture that inspired him to slow down. Here's more from John. My name is John McLaughlin. I'm an artist and creative director based in Brooklyn, New York. Something that recently made me slow down was a book called Creativity, Inc., written by Ed Catmull. He's a retired computer scientist and the former president of Pixar Studios. In the book, he generally speaks to how he built and fostered a positive work environment and culture at Pixar. There are a lot of great stories in this book on the ups and downs of Pixar, but one that stood out to me was the day that they all thought that they might have lost the files for Toy Story 2. After someone mistakenly ran a command that removes everything on the file system, they thought the film was gone. Luckily, an employee who had been working from home on maternity leave had access to these files on her home computer. The team then carefully wrapped the software from Pixar HQ in blankets, then drove very nervously from the office over to her house, where they connected the systems together, found the missing files, and managed to salvage the film. Catmull ends this part of the book with the fact that after all of that, no one was fired or even reprimanded for this error. He wanted to make sure that everyone learned from this mistake and knew that it was okay to fail. And the team, because of this, became that much stronger in the end. And most of us know that Toy Story 2 ended up being one of the most successful animated films ever. I think this story is especially important in our culture today that is so quick to challenge the idea of failure. Reading this story in our digital age made me remember to take it slow and be intentional about the path that I'm on as an artist and the people I surround myself with. I hope this story inspires you to do the same. Thank you so much again to John for sharing. Again, the book he referenced was Creativity, Inc. Now, here's my interview with Emmett Shine of Pattern Brands. It's hard to remember a time where technology wasn't part of our daily lives, and while it's impossible to shy away from the digital landscape completely, a new generation of brand builders are rising to the challenge of helping modern consumers navigate it all. Emmett Shine is one of these individuals. You may know Emmett's work as the co-founder of the leading design agency, Gin Lane, which built brand identities and creative for some of the world's most beloved startups. Now Emmett is throwing his hat in the ring with the recent introduction of Pattern, a family of brands that is intent on helping us all enjoy and reconnect with daily life. Pattern recently introduced its first brand, Equal Parts, and will be rolling out more initiatives and companies that tie back to this conscious mission in the new year. Emmett and his team have also leveraged our hyper-connected culture by using Pattern social media platforms to amplify a conversation around embracing digital mindfulness. So it should come as no surprise to hear that Emmett had a lot to say when we got into the heart of discussing slow content and the importance of spending our time in healthier and happier ways. I'm excited to end the year with this particular episode, and I hope you enjoy my conversation with Emmett Shine. Emmett, um, you know, helped co-found Gin Lane and now co-founding Pattern. And outside of work, um, I've had the 
same group of friends since more or less kindergarten elementary school who I consider just a big group of brothers and sisters and I have my sister who is four years younger than me but um you know also my best friend and very close with my mom and dad who are separated but still speak to them every day and I got an awesome girlfriend who um dated for over half a decade and we have a little dog together little rescue pit so I think just community and interpersonal relationships are where I just spend a lot of my time. Um, I, I think people, you know, that you have strong relationships with that you've been with for a long time um, are really important. Outside of that, I, you know, I love uh, sports and I love reading. So I like surfing and skateboarding and basketball and watching every sport under the sun and trying to play as much of them as possible and just trying to, um, you know, be a voracious reader. I'm always just trying to learn and under, I guess, understand, like, you know, for me, I like reading about what, what is going on? How'd we get here and humanity and society and just trying to understand, you know, the stuff that we sometimes take for granted. So it sounds like relationships are a really huge part of your life. And I think I read somewhere that you ultimately shifted away from the agency model to remove yourself from some of the transactional nature of the relationships in this industry and to build more authentic connections. Um, what was that process like? And did you first try to solve any of those challenges before completely transitioning out of gin lane? Yeah, I think the, the, the three kind of catalysts for us transitioning um, from gin lane as an agency into <clears throat> pattern as, you know, kind of this family of brands are one, um, going back to relationships internally we have some you know really awesome people that have um you know been with the organization for quite a long time we saw as as an agency our, our agency model was we were really small headcount wise like i like to say like we helped launch you know harry's which was one of our startup kind of like claim to fames that kind of set us off on this path o over six years ago when we were 22 full-time staff and when we started you know officially pattern uh, we took an investment and kicked it off. We were about 26 full-time. So in you know over half a decade, we grew by like two full-time employees um, by design because we wanted to be very, very quality-driven and curated and um, form deep relationships with the people we worked with. We just saw that that was going to be a lot harder as all of us were you know moving into adulthood and had deeper um, personal needs to take care of as well as professional goals that we wanted to explore. So pattern as a model allows a lot of us as individuals to grow more in our careers, um, which we're excited about. The other two reasons are we wanted to somewhat to your initial question, not have to constantly be thinking about new business and thinking about, um, you know, wrapping, you know, an agency project up and starting the next one and shifting resources over and, you know, account client management services, but more go deeper on less projects. And so, you know, our first brand equal parts, it's cool because we're we're thinking of it more in in you know a one year two year plus um, terms, which for us is you know it's quite new. We've done some retainer work, you know, where you know Hims, for example, we've been working with them since before launch, uh, or we're working with them because now we're just doing our own stuff. But it was really just on the creative side, which is pretty awesome still. But now you know we're overseeing product, we're overseeing marketing acquisition, merchandising, customer service. It's it's really uh, encompassing the, the the whole enchilada, and then the last part for you know why we really wanted to start a pattern was I think we felt really passionate on a personal level about 
what ultimately the mission became, you know, trying to, you know, rally around this notion of enjoy daily life by um, raising awareness to that we need to, we think we need to for ourselves and what we've seen from, you know, launch resonating with a lot of other people is protect our personal time and more promote quality time, more promote pastimes and set these buffers up socially and culturally and individually for just being pulled, you know, by work um, at all hours of the day. And, and then in our free time, just being pretty worn out and spending a lot of it on, on screens, which work isn't bad and screens are not bad, just like food or wine is not bad, but you, you need balance and you need intentionality. And I think that's something that um, we wanted to spend a lot of time exploring specifically versus kind of cognitively toggling between many different uh, projects and categories and missions. Everything that's come out of Pattern so far is so beautiful, which doesn't surprise me given Jin Lane's work and your background. But for those who maybe don't know, can you tell me a little bit more about the process of developing Pattern's identity and values and some of your learnings around that? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think, you know, um, it's like, it's like being a music producer for so many people's, you know, different albums and or songs. And, you know, you can create great chemistry in the studio with, you know, a singer songwriter or musicians, you know, but when you go to make your own album, um, I think there's a little bit of like a, a liberating, um, you know, opportunity where you can let your hair down and explore stuff that you've been thinking about for years. And so, you know, f- for myself and, and our team, um, I think we really wanted to create a world that felt like celestial seasonings, you know, like chamomile tea or, you know, the book, good night moon, but kind of for adults. Um, and so, you know, my mom, who is an artist, you know, she helped, um, paint all the, the watercolor elements. And then our, our team of designers, you know, designed out what we thought, like, you know, like in our mind, the pattern kind of house, um, could look like being nice and cozy. And, you know, there's a fireplace and a rug and, you know, there's like a, a lake outside, you know, and there's a yard and a bicycle and a little picnic and clouds and the birds. And, you know, while not all of us li- live that, um, you know, in, in an explicit sense on a daily basis, I think co- like conceptually and mentally, that's the, the safe space we were, we were looking to create, um, to anchor, uh, you know, w- within a world, of, trying to build worlds. So each of our brands, you know, equal parts is kind of the the kitchen version of that, you know, and around cooking. And then some of the other brands are rolling out, they'll have their own little zones within, um, you know, again, like J.R. Tolkien kind of, you know, designing a landscape or George Lucas, like designing, you know, a universe in our own little, little, little way. I think we're trying to build a little world um, to live in. It definitely comes across. And I think we share a lot of the same values in terms of prioritizing quality versus just pumping things out to be seen. And it's definitely something I'm trying to solve in my work at Connected Editorial and as a service provider, which is basically why I started this podcast. And throughout all of this, I've been having a lot of conversations with brands and founders who have really been struggling with trying to find a happy medium between putting out quality content, but doing enough of it to cut through the noise. And I kind of started to see this pattern, no pun intended, of people wanting to slow down in terms of content creation and consumption. So really getting to the heart of what slow stories is, I'm wondering what this idea of slow content means to you and what you're building at Pattern. 
Yeah, I think it's a it's a great point, and I think you know if if you like taxonomy, take a step back. I I think content is like a a transmission of information. It's like a an artifact of you know data, and I think we're just in you know people like us that work in knowledge or information economies or creative services. We're we're constantly transferring in and out and processing. Um, just massive amounts of data and information. And I think it's, again, I think part of this, like the zeitgeistiness of, you know, it, it's not that pattern create anything. I think we're just a, um, a response to what a lot of people have been feeling the last few years, I think, which, you know, really uh, culminated in the 2016 election. It's not to get political and say this candidate or that candidate or whatever it is. I just think that election cycle was, was really stressful and really hard and on a lot of people for for processing you know what what's going on where there's a confluence of so many different you know forms of, of media and information so i think for us um you know yourself and myself um i think it it is again just i'll say it a lot like taking a step back you know and and looking at the the highway of information whizzing by you um and saying you know if google maps tells you the fastest route to get somewhere is 42 minutes, you know, but it's taking the, the highway. And, and you know that if you spend, you know, 53 minutes, you can have way more of a scenic route, you know, maybe that extra, you know, whatever, 11 minutes um, is just a, a more enjoyable drive. You can roll the windows down and there's a breeze off the, the water and the trees rustling. And I, I think for content, it's kind of the same, like for pattern, um, you know, we're trying to post just Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, just being very intentional. So if people are looking for our messages and what we're, you know, um, you know, getting across through content, they know when we're posting and they know when we're online to kind of communicate and talk. And I think, again, that intentionality um, is really important to have. Absolutely. What has the response been like to that? The response has been really nice. I think, you know, like there, there are um, a group of people who there they go to our account and check it on Wednesday uh, Monday Wednesday and Friday you know afternoons um seeing what we're putting forth you know and that feels really good and they write back and they dm us and talk to us on twitter and again going back to some of the earlier themes we're we're trying to build a community of people who are you know looking to um explore how to work within this very digital enabled and digital based life but you know, still feel like they can maybe get a nice lunch or they can go for a walk, you know, during work or they can come home and not just be so exhausted that, you know, they f feel pulled into the defaults. They can, you know, more uh, look at what they want to do in their free time and feel, you know, there are other people like them that are vulnerably struggling dealing with, you know, your parents or you're, you're coupled up or you have a significant other or you got kids or just life, right? Being a young adult, like life just really comes at you fast. And then all of a sudden, you know, you, you just see in your calendar, you have a vacation in two, three months and you kind of suck it up until you get to that vacation or whatever it is, you know, but what we're trying to do is make, make, you know, uh, awareness and try to build a narrative of, of making your days more manageable and more enjoyable. We know it's hard and we're not trying to be like, I don't know, un, unrealistically uh, patronizing or, um, speaking in a way that is just unattainable. It's like, what are just simple, simple ways we can 
um, be aware of our time, our attention, and our presence while still, you know, living highly demanding, highly information saturated lives. And on that note, let's talk a little bit more about equal parts. Why did you think starting with a cookware brand was the right move in terms of bringing that mission and those values to life? Yeah, it's it's like one of the number one questions were were asked when you know talking to people around pattern in the businesses, and and the reasoning is that we're trying to build a get I think like a a longer term game plan, um, and and equal parts is a really great beachhead um, into the home. And so it allows us to form a really intimate relationship with our first customers. And so from a business model perspective, Equal Parts is wholly owned and operated by Pattern. And so the next brands that come out will also be wholly owned and operated by Pattern. And so they're kind of like sister brands that we'll be rolling out. And what we kind of saw is that cooking, number one, it's it's something that you know provides a lot of benefits that are not always articulated in the market. You know, it's it's markedly um, healthier for you. It costs way less. It's way less wasteful. It provides a flow state when you're kind of being immersed with your hands and your mind. And there's another small victory, which is something that we really lean in on around completing something. You've completed a task. You've done something that you can now um, enjoy or, or share, which is, you know, even more enjoyable. Um, in addition to that kind of Trojan horse of like benefits, um, the way we set the model up, you know, we have this really inviting kind of model of the cookware. It, you know, they've we've used aluminum, which heats up faster and is a bit lighter. And we've used ceramic, which is non-toxic, non, non-stick um, and induction plates for newer kitchens that still work on traditional stovetops. It stacks together. It's non-gender beautiful, but there's a coaching component. And so we have real normal, nice human being um, adults that are pro certified chefs, um, home chefs that text with, um, a lot of our customers every night or almost every night. So on weekends, they do a lot of work on meal preparation, meal planning. Uh, and then, you know, in the first half of the week, especially helping people when they're leaving work on what can they whip up for themselves or their family, um, you know, in 15 to 30 minutes versus having to, you know, order, order takeout. With that relationship, we're getting a lot of insight and information about our audience and their behaviors within the home and just asking them too. So it really helps, um, again, this notion of like direct with consumer of understanding. We're not looking for per se like a thousand customers. We're looking for really deep relationships with like a hundred customers. And so again, if you take a step back or if you take a step forward and you look at it, it's like, oh yeah, D2C cookware, there's all these brands out there. And you know, that's not, not true. But if you, again, take a step back, it's, we're looking at more from a long play and it's a great um, figurative foot in the door for how we look to build a relationship um, in the home for young adults today. That's really interesting, but ironically, as you guys launch more brands under the pattern family umbrella, there's going to be more to manage and in turn make it hard for you to slow down. Um, so I'm wondering if you think about that and those potential challenges as you continue to map out the future for a pattern. Yeah, I think two parts to to that question. It's another question that I, I like when people ask because I think one of the biggest challenges for what we're trying to do is create a startup model or or our version of a startup model where 
you know, we're, we are trying to make something significant. We are trying to, you know, build a, a business that can touch a lot of people. Um, but we're trying to do it in a way that doesn't um, grind people to the bone. You know, I'm, I just turned 36. So, so many people here, we now have children and we're older and no one's trying to work 80 hour days and come in on weekends and chug Mountain Dew and, you know, put on headphones and just like, you know, Christian Bale and the big short, just like zonk out. Like we're trying to have lives, right? So I think there is still this like West Coast Silicon Valley dominate dominant narrative that in order to like, you know, late stage capitalism, build a for-profit business competitively in these markets, you got to caveman style, like just out club, out hunt, out fight, you know, 20th century tropes of alphaism go psycho. And I don't, I don't subscribe to that. I think that, you know, at Gin Lane, the last few years, you know, we, we went through a challenging period about four years ago where we, we bit up, bit off a little more than we could chew. And I think we, oscillated back to finding a nice balance the last three years where we were doing really world-class work and very challenging work but you know we were maintaining good hours and we were telling our clients when not to talk to us and we weren't trying to just churn through employees and so for pattern you know we we come in between 9 to 10 a.m and most of the office leaves between 6 6 30 like the place empties out and maybe there's one or two people finishing a task up you know 6 30 7 o'clock at night but that's it's not like promoted as like a the cool thing to do like Michael Bloomberg you know I outworked everyone and whatever work hard no doubt you know but like just concentrate when you're at work and when when you go home you don't have to take that work with you you don't need to be at the office till eight nine o'clock at night so again we'll let future tell it all see how it all plays out maybe we completely fail and whatever but you know I again I think we're just trying to break this narrative a little bit that like you can't that you can do ambitious stuff, but you can also like be responsible and have balance. Yeah, it definitely doesn't have to come at the cost of someone's sanity, but I'm sure generally it was a process for you to move out of that fast paced thinking and agency environment and transition into the state you're in now. Do you have any tips for others who might be looking to make that transition or just generally instill more thoughtful culture in their own organizations? Yeah, you know, I have like I have a lot of respect for people that work within, you know, the agency space and I'm only quote unquote removed of it by a few months. Um and, and I I don't know, I, I love it and respect it deeply. I think we just saw a new challenge that we wanted to go for. But if you are in any sort of like service industry or you're on the brand side and you have multiple things you're kind of managing, I, I always look at it like um you know, when you're young and coming up, all you look for is someone to say, yes, you know, like you got hired, you got a job and it's such an awesome feeling and you got to string together the ability to, you know, pay yourself. And if you have some overhead or software or an office, or then you have partners or employees, you know, it, it, it's stressful, right? But, you know, what you have to learn at some point, which again is a little counterintuitive to like this American, you know, 20th century narrative is saying no is is sometimes it's best to turn down opportunities or turn down projects it's just not always saying yes cuz sometimes the the money or the stress isn't isn't worth it and so even at Gin Lane which you know it it had its stresses etc and in the last year or so 
we, we were very firm about what we were looking to do and the amount of projects we were looking to do and what we were paying ourselves. And, you know, we, we just found a balance, um, that, that really helped us. You know, we, we said no to lots of really awesome projects that we just felt were, um, our risk tolerance. It was, it was outside that, you know, it was either going to be too stressful or, or, you know, there was too many risks associated with it. It's not to say that we don't take risks. It's just, uh, we wanted to make sure we were protecting ourselves and our time so that we're not getting four months into an engagement and then everyone's working, you know, Thursday, Friday nights and the weekends. It's just, it's just so crazy. We're, the people who work in these sectors, we're lucky, you know, we can choose our jobs. We can choose our projects, you know, and we choose to make ourselves super stressed out. And I understand like there are financial parts to it, which I know very well, you know, but again, I think it's like this power of being focused and the power of saying no, you know, like, it's really hard to be, I think, a freelancer working the gig economy. But if you can be someone who has demand, you can choose how much you want to earn and how much time you want to spend on work, which conversely means you can choose where you want to spend the money and when you want to turn off from work. And I think this is a newer narrative that just needs to be pushed and continued so that like, you don't need to work 50, 60 hours every goddamn week. It just it, The bell curve is it, not even productive. Definitely. And that ability to choose also gives us the ability to choose to slow down and in turn create the headspace to think about questions that we need to be asking ourselves when it comes to figuring out how we want to lead these fulfilling lives, both personally and professionally. And so I'm wondering if there's any one question that you hope people start asking you more often regarding this idea and just as you build out this new chapter in your life. You know, I guess I I think a good question for all of us to ask is like, you know, what what is important to you? What is personal to you and what do you what do you want to do with your time? What what is most meaningful that will make you feel, you know, content and feel fulfilled and feel happy cuz you know, it you can look at every statistic there is. It isn't it isn't money. Um it isn't drowning yourself in in tasks or being busy or multitasking. I think it it really kind of, you know, society and technology have changed so much, but like our biology really hasn't, you know, and I think having close relationships with people around you are really important and having, and having personal pursuits and, and passions are, are also, you know, something that's really important. If you can find that through your work, then, then that's awesome, you know, but if you also have interests, it could be reading or writing or knitting or sports or running or hiking or, you know, whatever it may be, you know, just encouraging that that is an important part of developing the uniqueness that is your persona. And I think, you know, at a high level, what we're trying to do a pattern is like, look, we're, we're trying to run a business, we're trying to make money, you know, but we're trying to do it in a way that at least, um, I feel aligned and bought in about what we're selling and what we're offering. What we're trying to do is promote and create opportunities and space and a narrative for people to develop, you know, a deeper respect, appreciation, understanding with their personal time. You no, know, and that means you have to think about your time at work, you know, so that you're not zapped of energy and zapped of willpower or zapped of time, you know, when you're coming home and you've got you know, your kids or a significant other or your parents or just personal things you need to 
you know, grind through. If you have only one or two hours a day, it's, you know, it's very challenging. And so we're trying to be empathetic of that, but just push this larger narrative that as a culture, you know, we're just, we're workaholics and I, and I just didn't see it, it bringing me the happiness or fulfillment that I wanted. I think more it's, you know, spending time with people I love, spending time doing what I love and at work, just having the headspace to try to concentrate on, on what I think I'm good at and what I care about. Yeah. And I just think taking things day by day is a good start for people to even begin thinking about all of that. And this is a whole other conversation in itself. But for this interview, I want to close things out with a signature question that is a nice bookend to each of these discussions. And that is, why do you think slowing down our relationship to content will ultimately help us live, work, and feel better? You know, quality versus quantity. Um, I think you can, you know, going back to music, I guess, you can make a hundred songs, but if you make, you know, one one song that is resonant and, and just touches a nerve, it can last a really long time. It, it, it enters into the public psyche and could be for a subgenre or could be mainstream, whatever it is, you know, but I think quality always outlasts quantity. Um, it's just the way that information works, really strong, resonant information has a half-life um, that will always outlast quantity. And so, you know, you can be Sade or D'Angelo or whatever other, you know, musicians are that they didn't put out 2 million songs or albums, but the works that they've put out you know, they're going to last uh, generations, you know, and for ads and content, like, you know, there, there are demands that we have to test stuff and put stuff out, but just trying to, again, always take a step back and think these artifacts we put out into the ether, does the summation of the parts that put into it, you know, can that be greater and can that be a, a collective of information that can resonate with someone in the now and hopefully later and something that we can be proud of. You can, you can do copywriting on a, a subway ad or on a, on a call to action on a website or FAQ or terms and conditions, you know, and, and still take pride in your craft, you know, and I think people appreciate that. It doesn't feel mailed in. It feels touched by a human. That was my conversation with Emmett Shine of Pattern. If you're looking for more mindful content, follow Pattern Brands on social at Pattern Brands and check out Pattern's debut brand Equal Parts online at equalparts.com and on social at Get Equal Parts. I'm Rachel Schwartzman and I hope you enjoyed this season of Slow Stories. We'll be back in 2020 with new episodes. Have a great holiday season and we'll see you in the new year.